Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I'm being joined by Brian Murphy, sports editor for the Frisco Enterprise, Little Elm Journal, and Salina Record, as well as Taylor Ragland, who does sports for the Planner Star Courier, Allen American, and Lake City Sun. We are three weeks down in high school football season. Our second straight week that is marred by rainfall and just <laughs> whole mess of inclement weather delays. First off, guys, how are your games on Friday? How did you guys enjoy your second straight week of being strained in a press box? for about an hour and a half longer than you should have. It was the first time for me this season. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was at the start of the week before Thursday and Friday. I was kind of spoiled. Uh, and then I went to Lake Dallas, uh, Falcon Stadium on Friday, and there wasn't just one lightning delay. There was two lightning delays. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, it actually happened during halftime. So halftime was like two hours pretty much. Uh, and then they, they got a, a series in in the third quarter, and then another lightning delay hit. And then that was another like, 30, 45 minutes or so. That was a lot of a lot of fun because you guys were a bit later in the uh, with the rash of delays. Everything was coming was coming west. Yeah. So it started off in like the Plano, Allen, Garland mm-hmm. area where a lot of our games were very close. Yeah, it to moved a, right down the line because yours didn't even start right before your first delay. It started it, the, the delay hit right as Saxy was about to run out through yeah. its inflatable. So and I got through. I think there were like I think there were like seven minutes left in the first quarter. So it was literally just moving like all the way down the line. So mine was a little better than last yeah, week. I it's guess. usually weird because the storms usually come in the metro from the northwest or west to east, and but it was this one was like looping around or something. I don't know, it was weird. But they got in all four quarters of your game, though, right? They sure Which did. Because I know, mean, like Alan Capel got called off at halftime, mm-hmm. and so I was, so yeah. I mean, very much a uh, we're two we're just three weeks, and we've already had two weeks. Where I'm trying to think of the last time we had even one week period, where at least in the Dallas area, you had like one rash of weather delays, mm-hmm. let alone two consecutive weeks. Very uh, a very un- 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 uh, unconventional start to the season, at least from uh, from a weather standpoint. But we have three weeks in the books, and for um, for a lot of our districts, non district plays is over. So. 
now the the fun begins. The games start counting towards standings mm-hmm. and playoff berths in the weeks to come. Um, for a lot of our schools, though, um, you know, we have a, a lot of schools are on bye this week, so the schedule is definitely a bit lighter than normal. Um, one district that does get going though this week is District Nine Six A, and as um, as we look ahead to um, to the start of that on uh, on Friday, and a couple um, a few teams that have really kind of jumped off the page. You know, one a couple one that I think was expected, but then a couple others who have really started turning some heads with uh, with their play early in the season. So let's just kind of reflect on, I guess, if you want to call it the big three right now in uh, in District Nine Six A, and um, we can start with the school that uh, you know when we were doing our our district preview podcast, Brian, you weren't here to defend Prosper's honor <laughs> as uh, me, Taylor, and Kendrick just now, soundly to the listeners. What did y'all say? <laughs> we were. I think it was more just like kind of a TBD on yeah. just what to expect I out of them. I think that's definitely where I was. But, with but none of them. But we'll say it, none of us picked them to make the playoffs. At least as far as our first round. I think of, I literally had playoff them like fifth with the caveat that you know I I didn't know how they would adapt and that they could easily rise if they adapted well, mm-hmm. which. You know, through three weeks, it looks like they're. Yeah, we're here to fine. talk about. Uh, yeah, we're here to you know talk a little about Prosper because so far, like Prosper has scheduled three six A opponents. Mm-hmm. They've got you know their feet wet as far as what to expect out of playing six A level competition. Um, and as far as every test that's been thrown in their way, they have passed it with flying colors. They are three and zero and really haven't met a whole lot of resistance in route to that three and zero mark. Um, Brian, talk a little bit about just the hot start for the Prosper Eagles as they are full fledged in six A now. Y'all ready for a hot take? Sure. I'm not scorching hot, but you're picking them to beat Allen, aren't you? 9-6-A winners. Not quite, (laughs) but they're going to finish second place in this district. They're going to beat East, and they're going to beat Jesuit. And and obviously Plano, given. So they're going to finish second in this district. They they blew up Naaman like they should have. They blew up Keller Timber Creek. And then they blew out Flyer Mound, which wasn't you know totally expected. I think we I think we were on the picking line last week, right? Yeah, for Flyer Mound, we all picked Prosper. That's why like Flyer Mound's yeah. an improved team in that neck of the woods mm-hmm. out in Louisville ISD, and I think the expectation was that at least relative to those first two weeks, that would be a bit more of a gauge as to what sure. they might be able to expect, you know, in uh, in District Nine Six A. Because Flyer Mound, I think, you know, would show well. You saw them against Plano West, and they took care of business there. And yeah, yeah Flyer Mound is good enough to at least if they yeah. were in that district, they could contend for one of those last you know two three playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they. Get in, but I think that they're certainly better than you know the McKinney's and Plano West have been. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't think Flower Mound is anything extraordinary, and, and I would have taken Prosper to, to win that game. It was, a, but it was a good litmus test game though for Prosper, yeah. and they just smacked around the Jaguars. So mm-hmm. um, I mean, what do you attribute this hot start to for uh, for Prosper? The running game. Yeah, the, I mean, they graduated their best offensive player in, in Caleb Adams. They haven't missed a beat. You know, Wayne Anderson, who started at corner last year, played a little running back mm-hmm. also. Behind Adams, he's rushed for over 130 yards in the last two games. He's had multiple touchdowns the last two games, and he's looked good. And Keegan Shoemaker, you know, he's doing what Keegan Shoemaker needs to do. He's he's had a, a you know a great three games, throwing touchdowns each game, and, you know, protecting the football. Last season, I remember we talked about this. Shoemaker had a, a you know rough stretch to begin the year, and then he got hot as the year went along. He's hot right now to start the year, and he's got a great running game to go with it. And when you have a defense, you know, that forced. Three turnovers last week that picked off, you know, uh, Flyer Mound quarterback Blake Short three times. Yeah. You know, it seems to be hard to beat. The, def- the, the part about the defense is especially interesting to mm-hmm. me because that was the one thing that kind of gave me a little bit of pause at the start of the year was when you look at all the guys that they graduated on defense, they graduated, I think, 10 kids that made the all-district team just off of last year's and defense the, alone. The district MVP or the defensive MVP uh, at linebacker, mm-hmm. they graduated him too. 
you know, he's off at Texas State, so there's a lot of a lot of holes, a lot of question I mean, marks to yeah, fill there. But there, there were almost too many question marks to mm-hmm. make like a full fledged, like okay, I, a conclusive look at what to expect out of Prosser. You needed to mm-hmm. see a few games to kind of get an idea of what they had coming into the year. And so far, I mean, yeah, with that defense, with all the kids that they replaced, I mean, they rank you know top twenty in the area in both yards per game allowed and points per game allowed. Mm-hmm. I think they're only allowing a little over sixteen points so far. And I mean, yeah, they they look the part so far. So this kind of validates. Um, you know any uh, you know expectations that you had coming into this season that Prosper might have handled this uh, this six A transition pretty pretty well. Yeah. Now they're going to lose to East. Yeah. I, do, I mean that's what I was going to say. I think you have to circle September twenty eighth mm-hmm. when Prosper and Plano East mm-hmm. play, and I think that will tell you um, a ton about what Prosper yeah. has or doesn't have. Because I mean, yes, they've been playing six A teams. Yes, I think Flower Mound is is a pretty good program this year. I don't mm-hmm. think they're anything special, but you know they're they're a decent six A program. Um, they're going to get McKinney to open district. I don't think McKinney has much. Um, this year, so I mean, circle that that late September matchup with East, and I think that'll really kind of be the final. You know, are you are you here in six A yet? Are you ready to do this, or do you need another year? And then they follow that up with Jesuit the next week. Yeah. So two back to back tough tests to really see if they are for real. Yeah. If they lose those two games, then maybe I, you know, maybe Prosper will have to be fighting for that fourth playoff spot. Well, and then that gets even more interesting. If they lose to East and Jesuit back to back, they have Plano to finish district. So that could be potentially a huge, a huge game. Could be depending. I mean, or it could be meaningless if Prosper goes out and, mm-hmm. and handles the business leading up to it. So mm-hmm. Prosper right now ranking fifth in the Metroplex in uh, in total offense with um, 467.7 yards per game. I'm anxious to see that um, what happens when they play East because yep. as we now can transition into um, we've got two of the better defenses in the in the area right now <laughs> residing yep. in this district at least through three games. Um, the Plain East defense that is a uh, that's a pretty impressive development with just yeah. the strides that they've made on that side of the ball, considering um, what that unit was trying to build from you know last year. And um, you know I think on paper you know Prosper is going to be the most you know explosive offense that they will have seen up to that point. So um, you know I got a chance to see Plainwise defense in person for the first time. You know really from a press box standpoint, I was on the sidelines taking photos against yeah. Lake Highlands, but you can't really get an idea yeah. from that vantage point. You can get an idea of Tyler Owens. Yes, somebody. yeah, you can hear Tyler <laughs> Owens just laying the bejesus out of a. <laughs> Out of an opposing, uh, out of an opposing running back or receiver, just fine on the uh, on the field. But in the press box, you get a bit of a different vantage point. Right. Um, the most impressive thing that stuck out in their um, in their game last week against Saxe, a uh, twenty nine to seven win, a game that you know Plano gave up a touchdown in the very first play of the game. So you're thinking, oh wow, okay, this the defense might have a game on their hands. And then um, <laughs> so they gave up a what was it, a fifty two yard touchdown mm-hmm. um, to start to uh, to Miles Nash, and then. Despite that 50-yard boost right out of the gates, Saxe still didn't even clear 200 yards against Plano East. So 71 yards yeah. passing, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think yeah. about that. We had 50-plus, and then... <laughs> they had 19 <laughs> passing yards yeah. after that yeah. that massive completion. But that was without their starting quarterback. You know, that, but that was that, by design. That's yeah, the thing. It was, because they, they were testing out the waters with two other guys to right. you know, see what they had. So maybe it was kind of like, you know. That well, the plan was to test out the waters with one, just to just put it, just to you know ignite a little bit with the offense. That was what Coach, you know, Mark Red Baron said after the game. Mm-hmm. It's just to give the offense a spark. They decided to go with a different name at quarterback. They pulled what they rolled with, um, you know, backup Xavier Foreman, and um, in place of Anthony Beltron. Mm-hmm. But then Foreman got banged up in the third quarter 
on him. He got stuffed on a short run, and he was after the game. He was on crutches, couldn't put any weight on his right foot. Um, so that situation is, uh, you know, it's, it remains in flux as Saxe continues to try to find its identity. Um, and you know, a tough, uh, you know, a tough draw on their part because they got a Plano East defense that has just been lights out to start the year. Like I said, they they're averaging. Uh, let's see how many yards per game allowed. They are at uh, just 154.3 allowed. Not many. 154.3 allowed through three games. They're only allowing seven points per game. Um, I mean, Taylor, you wrote a lot about this defense at the start of the year. It really yeah. is a unit that does seem to be uh, doing its best to make amends for some of the uh, well, their tougher, their tougher, part, tougher, uh, tougher times last season. I think it's just the the commitment that they had to this defensive unit from the moment last season ended, mm-hmm. and and probably from the moment they gave up 599 yards to one guy in a mm-hmm. single game. Yeah. You know, they they began working on this and, and figuring out what was wrong. And I think that, you know, as, as silly as it sounds, or, or not silly, but maybe as cliche as it sounds, it's it's fundamental things. You know, you go out to watch East practice now, and they run a pursuit drill on defense over and over and mm-hmm. over and over. And they run tackling drills, and they run, like, that stuff gets overlooked sometimes, I think, to, at, like, just pure athletes, or, or especially at the 6A level, you know, let's just put our guys out there and, and let the athleticism work, but... Like, they are just tackling well, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a, an underrated skill, obviously, on defense, I think, that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a big ask for them to improve as much as they have, um, and I think they've stepped up, but I think a lot of it is simply just the commitment. I mean, Joey McCullough said that, you know, he spent, you know, almost 100% of his time in the spring, in the summer, in the fall so far, just making sure that, you know, the embarrassment, frankly, that, that happened last year didn't happen again, and you know, it's it's all the little things adding up. I think they're very multiple. I think they're very um, kind of they they provide a lot of different looks. They obviously switch defensive fronts mm-hmm. um, because of Josh Bogowski, basically because they feel like that guy can play you know all over the place. He can go down yeah. and play end, or he can come back and, and uh, play linebacker. Uh, he can cover guys. They think he can do a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. I mean, that always helps to just have different looks, but. I think it's just fundamental stuff. Like I said, you go out and you watch them run a pursuit drill and and just beat that into their heads over and over and over, and clearly something's working. The one thing that stuck out is they were also at a massive disparity in field position Mm -hmm. all throughout that game, and they still only allowed Saxe to get into the red zone one time on one drive. There, I want to say, I counted it up, there were ten drives where they, at some point, had had the ball past their own 40-yard line. So Saxe had promising field position mm-hmm. all game long, and only one drive, I want to say it was in the third quarter, did they actually finally get into the red zone. So, I mean, yeah, Plano East defense was up against it from a field position standpoint, and they did not budge. Um, another thing that really stuck out is what, like, and this is as we kind of segue now into another dominant defense in Allen, uh, kind of an Allen-esque trait, and that's the job that Plano East did in the second half mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage. Yep. And when you're able to, and because early on, like the story of the game early on was Saxe and just the job that they were doing mm-hmm. on the line of scrimmage, and then you got to see Plano East progressively wear them down. You yep. mentioned Blagowski. He was front and center for some big plays there. Guys like Kavon Hamilton, Cameron Crosley, they were also on, in on some big plays defensively up front. Um, just the job that they did controlling the Mustangs in the second half. And that's something that is very commonplace for uh, for Allen, who's um, who's also having just a, uh, a banner start to the year on um, on defense. Yep. Allen has played, so, um, so their game on Friday against Capel only lasted one half before weather hit and they decided to, uh, you know, to call it off. It does count, though, towards both their other records. Allen was up 21 to zero at the half. Um, Allen is so with that game. Allen has played 10 quarters this season, and they have held the opponent scoreless in nine of them. And those uh, the only qu- well. the only quarter where they didn't was the fourth quarter against Utah East. They gave up 20 points in that fourth quarter, but they were leading 52 to nothing. So they've 
So they were they pitched a shutout also. They were yeah they were cycling in their backups yeah. at that time. So yes, against the starting unit, oh. they have not allowed a touchdown essentially this season. Which through ten, obviously that number will not hold <laughs> for the rest of the season. It would be impressive if they did go the entire regular yeah. season just shutting everybody out. But um, that number is bound to break at some point. But um, nevertheless, yeah, I mean you're it's your typical Allen you know Allen hot defensive start. It feels like every yeah. year that unit is always just comes roaring out of the gates. And um, we're just rolling off some of the great numbers for Plano East. Allen is only allowed 167. Point three yards per game, just a little over six and a half uh, points per game. Sorry, this previous number was for yards per game allowed. Um, and kind of like like East, it's um, I mean the hard the head of the snake, so to speak, with the Allen defense is that defensive line. Yeah, and just the job that they uh, that they do um because they have uh, as they do at most positions, they have a lot of depth there. I was going to say that's that's the thing that strikes me about both of these teams, mm-hmm. even the Plano East defense. You know, McCullough's McCullough's main thing. Aside from you know solid fundamentals and and actually you know just, yeah. just playing solid fundamental defenses, they wanted to be too deep everywhere, and I think they are. I mean, you look at a guy like Jalen Brown, um, you know, playing in the middle of that defensive line. Mm-hmm. You limit his plays, and every play he's in there, he's more effective. Yeah. And then you have somebody that can come in and handle business, and and then you look at Allen, and, and that's a team that's got four guys that can come in. So yeah. I think that's there's you know, there's no drop off because they just come at you in waves with the way that they rotate on the defensive line. So while you have you know your you know your familiar cast of, you know, standouts, guys like Jaden Jernigan, Seth mm-hmm. Mason on the interior, and then on the outside you have Emmanuel Nakori, Brennan O'Brien, and Cole Latos, um, and they just, just cycle those guys around all throughout the game, so, you know, you, you're not going to see them every single series, but, you know, the uh, the cumulative toll of those uh, of those rotations, um, it really kind of takes hold in the second half, which is where Allen has traditionally been, you know, at its best, when its depth really begins to assert itself, and, I mean, yeah, it's tough to argue with the results, I mean, I'm anxious to see We've already, you know, circled, uh, you know, September 28th yep. for, um, for Prosper and uh, and, uh, and Plano East. I believe the week after that is, um, or the district game after that. I'm, I forget when the buy is. If it's the following week or October 12th. But nevertheless, I believe after Prosper, Plano East gets Allen. Mm-hmm. So we're just talking about just what a, uh, you know, what a great start the East uh, defense has had, and then, you know. We'll see what happens Friday against McKinney Boyd, but after that, at least statistically, um, you know, they're, uh, the, the pressure's going to ramp up a bit with what they've got, uh, with what Prosper and Allen have shown so far, and vice versa. I mean, I'm anxious to see how Allen handles that uh, this that yeah. vaunted passing attack out of Plano East, and just the uh, the the always physical, ever potent running of uh, of Trey John Scott. When was the last time Plano East beat Allen? <sighs> I mean, when was the last time? The last time that a PISD team period beat Allen yeah. was 2005. Wow, and that was Plano or Plano? It was Plano. Okay, so yikes! So it's been a, it's been prior a long to time. that. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute. Now East has come close, and that's another reason why, like I don't know, like, why Plano East Allen is kind of just jumps off the page a bit. Like there have been times in the past where East has almost snuck up on them. There's a game two years ago, I want to yeah, say it was. Where, here in 2016, it was 38-31. Yeah, there's a game two so. years ago where East was up in the fr- up in the fourth quarter on Allen. And then Allen, you know, Mitchell Junkie made some uh, some big plays there to help them retake the uh, retake the lead. Uh, defense got a big stop to mm-hmm. uh, to deny one last push by East. And then there was a few years ago a game that was on ESPN two where um you know this was it was basically a showcase game for Allen. Allen mm-hmm. was you know was uh, was state and nationally ranked at the time. Plano East was just kind of a uh, I don't know it was just kind of just another year for them and then they rose to the challenge and I want to say that game was like 52 to 48 or something wonky like that I mean uh, East gave Allen all they could handle so there have been times you know in years past where East has kind of snuck up on the, mm-hmm. on the Eagles so we'll uh, we'll see I mean we could very well be in a situation where we have 5-0 and Plano East against 5-0 and Allen yeah and, 
That's uh, that'd be something worth getting hyped for. You are correct, by the way. It looks like bye week comes between. So it'll be October fifth. Yeah. So it'll okay. So both teams will at least be October, rested up. Yeah, October twelfth is the East Allen game. East so Allen yeah, game. so that'll be a that should a be a fun weeks. one. So we've got uh, we've got a, you know a bit more in the docket. Some more uh, some more standout moments from the past week, including a very unique performance out of out of Clark Stadium last Friday from Mesquite quarterback Dylan McGill, and we'll have our thoughts on that. But in the meantime, we uh, we had a chance to catch up with Dylan prior to him to talk about his uh, his big game and their big win over Plano West, and we will see what Dylan McGill had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD Painting has got you covered. At ATD Painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD Painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, Once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are out here at Hanby Stadium right next to Mesquite High School talking with Dylan McGill, junior quarterback for the Mesquite Skeeters. Uh, Mesquite fresh off a 44-20 victory last week against Plano, uh, Plano West. Dylan, thank you for taking the time to join us. Congratulations on the on the win last yes, week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It was a um, uh, you know a nice uh, one of the higher scoring games that y'all have had under under Coach Fleener. Um, just thinking back to uh, to last Friday, what were the emotions like after the game, and just how proud are you of the team for being able to pull off a win like that? Well, my team, we've we've really been working really hard for this. Uh, off season has really been tough. Like we pound and pound and pound, and uh, I'm going out and showing out. That's, well, we did. Now you uh, now you had a big hand in the in the victory as well as did the entire offense. Um, a very unique performance for you. Um, just to you know just to recap, you know you completed five of six passes for two hundred and three yards for five touchdowns. So every completion resulted in a touchdown. You've had some you've had some time to let that performance sink in. Just um, when you think back to Friday, just kind of put that performance in perspective and just I mean you certainly have to imagine one of the more unique games that you've played. Yes, uh, just preparation is the biggest thing for us. Uh, take every rep in practice. As it's a game snap and just ex- execute every snap. Now there were there were quite a few long TD passes in that as well. You guys were able to stretch the field on Plano West quite a bit. Um, where did the uh, kind of the idea come in that preparation that you know kind of showed you all that okay we should probably try to attack them deep a little bit this game? Um, the whole game was really our matchups mm-hmm. in it and how they were co- coming down on us and stuff. So you know just put the ball in the playmaker's hands, let them do the job. And um, I mean, you had some receivers that were just running wide open back there in the secondary. And uh, I, I wonder, as a as a quarterback, like what's kind of going through your mind when you drop back and you see, you know, one of your targets just that wide open, so deep? Because on the one hand, I mean, you're not having to fit it into a tight window or anything. But on the other hand, I mean, he's so wide open, you kind of almost have to make the completion. Just what's kind of going through your mind there? Uh, really, it's just make the best throw you can, and uh, I, I don't know. It's just get it out there to him. 
Is this... You know, it, I mean, it helps to have a guy like Devin Davis, who is, you know, I mean, just the job that he did on Friday. Just talk a bit about what he brings to this team and just how easy he made, uh, he made your job on uh, Friday. Devin Davis is a huge leader on this team. I mean, he, he's a grinder. He never quits on, on snaps. And whatever ball you throw out there, he'll get it. And you guys have to fight through a bit of a weather delay, too. I mean, second straight week you've had to do so, so it's probably no, you know, no, uh, nothing new for y'all. But um, just how did you guys pass the time during a delay on Friday? Uh, staying focused. Uh, the game turned into mental. You know, when we have a delay like that, like we had past couple weeks, uh, just staying focused and keeping our minds right. Now, um, now, all season, it hasn't just been you back there taking snaps at quarterback. You and Arturo have been rotating all season. Um, just talk a bit about what he brings to the table and how your skill sets kind of complement each other for this offense. Um, Arturo, he's a huge leader. He's uh, We help each other out. You know, we're as quarterbacks, we got to be best friends with each other. So... But Arturo, I mean, he, he's my best friend out here. So Now, as, a, as part of a quarterback committee, just talk a bit about kind of how you approach each game, you know, and how, it's, how you kind of try to maintain focus because, I mean, you guys kind of go into the game not entirely sure just how many snaps you're, you're going to get. Well, we, we, we just uh, stay, stay ready. That's all we do. Stay ready. Every so, snap. And now I'm still looking at the offseason. I mean, Coach Fleener made it a real emphasis this offseason to talk about getting stronger, both physically and mentally. Um, just talk a bit about the work that you guys put in during the offseason to get ready for this year. Oh, man. This offseason was it was intense. We knew, we knew what we had to do. We had to prove. And we had to you know, beat teams this year to get to a places where we want to be and execute. And now, I mean, you've got some confidence now riding into Thursday. You're at your last non-district game before things get rolling in, uh, in 11-6A. You guys play uh, LD Bell right back here at Hanby on Thursday at 7 o'clock. Yes, what, um, what is Coach, Coach's message to the team heading into Thursday's game? Stay focused, mental game, uh, ball out. Awesome. That we that'll, do. Uh, that'll do it, folks. That is, uh, this is Dylan McGill with, uh, with the Mesquite Skeeters. Like I said, he and the Skeeters will be back here at Hanby Stadium on Thursday at 7 o'clock, wrapping up the non-district portion of their schedule against L.D. Bell. Dylan, best of luck to you guys on Thursday. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Dylan McGill for taking the time to chat for our uh, Student Athlete Spotlight, highlighting the Skeeters' big win over Planet West and his hand in that win. So let's, Taylor, you were at that game, so you got to see a passing performance was. that was that was all too unique. Is it, I mean, there's no way to know. We don't know every single stat line from every single game that's yeah. been played so far, but it feels like this has got to be one of the most efficient passing performances in the state so far. I mean, yeah, it, it, it has to be, just based on the numbers. I mean, just to, as a refresher, Dylan McGill was 5 for 6, so 83% of his passes, yep. only only the one incompletion, 203 yards, and five touchdowns. That's so right. Every, every pass went for a touchdown. <laughs> five completions, five <laughs> touchdowns. Every single pass. And he averaged f- over 40 yards per completion. Yeah. Yep. Man, it was it was a strange game in a lot of mm. ways. I mean, it came out in the third quarter, and there was a sequence. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it. I guess I haven't on the podcast, but I know I talked about it in my rap reaction. But there's a sequence where it was like blocked punt, touchdown, for Mesquite, and then 47-yard fumble return on a missed, um, like, end around reverse pitch thing that Mesquite tried to do, and, and Daylon Miner took a 47-yard for West, and then Mesquite came right back out and threw, like, a 69-yard touchdown pass. Like, it was mm-hmm. it was chaotic, and, and his stat line is kind of the ultimate, like, just how does that happen? But that game was, was strange all the way through, and, and basically, I mean, it kind of came down to, you know, Mesquite had two guys run for, you know, 70-plus yards, and seemed like every time they would just set up something crazy and, and McGill 
would hit them. I mean, there were two touchdowns I can think off the top of my head where the receivers were open by yeah. 15, 20 yards. Yeah. I was watching some highlights, and yeah, there were just guys running and free. It's, in those those, are, those are almost even tougher, I think, because it's like, I can't screw this up. Like, th- that dude is open. There's yeah. nobody within, like, 30 yards of him. And it's, it's tough on the receivers, too, to just stand there and, like, basically receive a punt and, and then just turn around and run. But And that was actually something that Jeff Fleener said after the game. He's like, I was proud of the focus because that is not – it's a lot easier to be in the middle of your route and be hit in stride than to be like, I'm I'm completely so open, I don't even know what to do with myself. But every single time, McGill was on the money, and the receivers made sure they had it and took it to the house. So was it the was, case because they only passed the ball six times yeah. all game. So it's just a case where well, they passed – they technically passed the ball – 12 times. Oh, okay. Yeah, Flores, Arturo Flores came in and, and went three for six for 50 yards. Right. So they did split time a little bit. Okay. Um, was it in garbage time, or they kept interchanging the two just throughout the game? Um, it, it was weird because Flores, I believe, started. I know Flores started. Um, oh. And they they went with McGill, and then it was like they would get up by a comfortable lead, you know, 14, 20, whatever the case might be, and then maybe put Flores in mm-hmm. for a series. But then as soon as West would kind of come back, McGill would go right back in and Eventually, you know, looking at the stat line now, you know what happens when McGill goes back in. But uh, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. It was definitely a, it was a weird game basically throughout. I don't know if the weather had a lot. I, I, it was just, it was strange. I just come to expect crazy things happen when yeah. you have funky weather games. Like you always get a little something a little unconventional when you have a inclement weather involved. Uh, Brian, you had a chance to see uh, two of Frisco ISD's finest last week. Um, on Thursday, you got to take in a, what sounded like a heck of a game between Highland Park and Frisco Lone Star, and then um, you got to see Frisco Reedy just continue its its torrid ascent through this uh, mm-hmm. through this season on Fridays. They took care of Lake Dallas. Um, yeah, I mean, just what were your takeaways? And I think it's you know three weeks in, it does feel like these two have kind of separated themselves from the pack as far as being the elite of the elite within Frisco ISD. So, mm-hmm. what is your read right now? And I guess first off, like talking about Lone Star and Highland Park. Um, a game that went right down to the the very last play, a walk off field goal by the Scots for a ten to seven. I did victory. not have that one at ten to seven. Yeah. That's I have a sure. backup kicker. I backup a guy, a guy that started at defensive back mm. the entire game, played defensive back the entire game. Highland Park's original kicker had missed two field goals earlier in the game, mm. so then they drive down and Coach Rayburn, Lone Star head coach, even told me after the game, he's like, "Yeah, we we they played a little bit of prevent defense. They went for a fourth down, a critical fourth down, just a minute and a half before that near mm. midfield." Really risky fourth and four. They didn't get it. They went for a deep pass on it, uh, actually, uh, oddly enough, and they didn't get it. And so Highland Park gets the ball back, and Rayburn said after the game, he was like, well, I mean, we weren't worried about their kicker because he missed some some gimme yeah. field goals mm-hmm. early in the game. But they drive down. They you know they played a little bit of a, a prevent defense. I don't know why they did that because their defense was so dominant that entire game. Um, you know, I think they could have just stopped them if they just stuck with their original game plan, but they just kind of let them, you know, get 10, 15 yards here and there, and then – with uh, literally one second left on the clock, they they brought in a backup kicker. And us in the press box, we didn't even notice that it was the backup kicker for a while. Uh, I know some tweets are floating around that, you know, they mentioned the, the original kicker, Wesley Winters. They said that he kicked it, and then there was corrections. I know Sports Day tweeted out, and they needed to correct it. And I, I myself didn't think that they threw a backup kicker out there. We didn't find out until after the game. Uh, and then, yeah, he made it, and a 10-7 finish in a game that was – I thought it was weird uh, when I was talking to Rayburn. I, 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 you know, I described the game as weird, and he's like, "I didn't think it was weird. It was just two heavyweights just mm-hmm. going at it, which it really was." You know, Highland Park scored their lone touchdown so early in this game on their second drive with 7:44 left in the first quarter, and I was thinking, I was like, "Man, Chandler Morris is legit. 
he threw a deep bomb. I, I don't remember the guy's name from Highland Park. The forty something yard pass play, mm-hmm. and then they scored two plays later. Morris just walks it in, and I was like, man, Highland Park is there. This is about to be just a slugfest back and forth. And then it was just punt, 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 punt. Literally just trading three and outs, trading punts. And you know, Lone Star got a touchdown right there at the end of the first half. It was seven to seven. I even made a joke on Twitter at, after the end of the third quarter. I was like, man. Is uh, Highland Park or Lone Star ever going to score again? Stay yeah. tuned to find out because it was just punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. And Lone Star actually had three turnovers in this game. Mm. If they protect the football, uh, you know, and I even I even uh, told you earlier uh, today, I was like, man, if they had MJ Rivers, and this is no 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 knock on, on Julian Larry. It's his first year as a varsity quarterback who played. He started every game at corner last year. Mm. He did play well. He played well. He kept them in this game. He made some great plays with his feet. Yeah. But MJ Rivers, if he was the quarterback of this game, you know, he's playing at Illinois. I've, I've been seeing some yeah. of his highlights. He's playing as a freshman, true freshman at Illinois right now. If he's in this game, I think Lone Star wins by a lot. And once again, no knock on Julian Lair. I just think MJ Rivers was that good. And he made that offense so dynamic. But with this defense, this is one of the best defenses in the state right now. And with Lone Star, you mentioned a top defense in Allen. They've only given up, uh, you know, two touchdowns this year. Yeah. One to Denton in garbage time late in the fourth quarter. Uh, they allowed two points to Richland on a safety. That game was a blowout in, the, in week one. And then they gave up that touchdown to Chandler Morrison Highland Park on the second drive of the game. After that, they kept him out of the end zone. So something to say about that Lone Star oh, yeah. defense. Impressive considering just some of the heavyweight names that they graduated from oh, that yeah. unit last year. Oh, yeah. Um, Reedy, but then you saw Reedy doing its thing on Friday, and Reedy has just been just mm. taking names all season long. And now, I mean, we you know we thought heading into that game against Lake Dallas that that could be you know your de facto seven five a D two championship game. We'll see. Obviously, what you know teams like Lovejoy and Denison have to say about that. But I mean, so far, I mean, no no one's been touching Reedy. <laughs> that Reedy Lake Dallas game wasn't that close. Really, it really wasn't. It was close at halftime scoreboard wise, but they I don't know if the lighting delays had anything to do with it but you know both teams had to go through the delays yeah, so for it's, sure. it's not like it if you know really hurt one team more than the other uh it's a shame that reading lone star won't play this year i know they, they yeah. won't even play in the playoffs because yeah. two, the two we were one year too late <laughs> i know and they played last year and that game was you know it was really highly anticipated mm-hmm. reading started the year eight no lone star was seven and one because they lost to denton ryan that was yeah. their only loss and that was at, down to the wire also yeah. when mj rivers got tackled at the goal line oh, yeah he could have tied that game gone in overtime uh, against Spencer Sanders and, and Denton Ryan. Uh, some Friday Night Lights stuff. Oh, it the was, movie, it, it the was original. <laughs> the TV show. <laughs> the best Friday Night Lights <laughs> content. <laughs> but, yeah, and so it's a shame that they won't play. I, I know someone from Reedy or someone tweeted something out with some uh, offensive line highlights from their game against the Colony, mm-hmm. and I quote tweeted and I said, you know, that Reedy offensive line might be the best in Frisco. And if Lone Star wasn't in the district, <laughs> I would have said they are for sure the best in yeah. Frisco, and that well, that's no knock on Lone Star either. And then some guys from Lone Star got got their hands on it, and, and some guys from Reedy, I won't mention names, and guys from Lone Star. It, it, was, it was no like, it wasn't nothing too intense, but it was some friendly trash talk going back and forth. And I mentioned how it's a shame that they shouldn't play that they that they won't play together against each other this year. And it was, I started I, I stirred the pot a little bit on Twitter. It was, it was fun. Uh, I, I just left it there, and I was like, all right, yeah, y'all go at it. Uh, but yeah. I, I have no idea what would happen if these two teams played because they both look really good. You know, Reedy beat a really good the Colony team yeah. uh, in, in week two. They blew out Plano West, which I'm not surprised. A lot of people were somewhat surprised with you know them blowing out a, a 6A school in week one. 
But I, I think that this was a huge statement win over Lake Dallas. They held Depperschmidt in check. Yeah, right? that's like to right. hold that offense to just 14 points. Yeah. Like it, I think that's a statistic that when we get to the end of the regular season, you look back on. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure there will be too many other nights, if at all, this season where Lake no. Dallas has held to just 14 points. And, it, and it, that was a point of emphasis all week because Depperschmidt had five touchdowns and I think mm-hmm. over 400 total yards in the playoff game last year. He's been doing the same thing this year. It was perhaps his best game ever. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And he's had some great ones. And but he, that was his like his signature performance was last year against and he, had, and he had one of his lesser games you know, yeah. of his career, uh, and that's n- no not a knock on him. I'm not trying to knock it's on no, him. No, it's more of an indictment on just how good that Reedy defense yeah. is. Oh yeah, that Reedy defense is the real deal. He and he threw his first interception of the year too. I know it's yeah. just three weeks in, but yeah. you know that Reedy defense made him look you know like an average quarterback, and he is not an average quarterback at all. Yeah. Is it wrong if I put you on the spot and ask like if we had Reedy and Lone Star playing on Friday night, what would you put a point spread for that game at? Mm. Not to throw the pot anymore than well, you already I, have I between thought, those two. I thought Highland Park and Lone Star was going to be a shootout. I thought it was going to be 40-something to 30-something or 30-something, 30-something, whatever, and it was 10-7. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the, the same, like, the the method to the madness was a bit different, but you instead got two teams that were a bit more, you know, the competition, you know, kind of uh, came on the defensive side versus the offensive side. Would, but they showed that they were every bit yeah. as, you know, fairly evenly matched just from a... I still think Lone Star would win. Mm-hmm. Take Lone Star by seven. Yeah, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be it'd be no more than a 10-point yeah. margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more than that. It really is a shame. That'd be such a... Uh, it really is. Because, like I said, Lone Star doesn't have MJ Rivers and... and um, what's the run? I'm blanking on the running back from Allen. No, but, uh, Kirby Bennett. Kirby Bennett, yeah. I don't know why I blanked on him. Yeah, how could I forget him? Uh, and then, you know, they lose Nick Bolton, who's at Missouri, probably the best linebacker in 5A in the DF Dub uh, last year and a bunch of other guys on defense. But they're still legit. I... The offense isn't as explosive as it was last year, but yeah, it'd be somewhere around 24, 17-ish, somewhere in that range, but we'll never know. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so that's, uh, yeah, that is a look at um, just some of the happenings from this past week in, uh, in high school football. Um, the upcoming week, it'll be a bit of a light coverage week just because so many of our schools are on by, but um, nevertheless, we'll be back um, on Thursday to talk a bit about our game of the week. Um, if you all get a chance, go to our website, starlocalmedia.com, and vote on that. Our five selections for... Um, for that, uh, for that uh, game of the week poll this week, and um, with that, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Um, Taylor, Brian, Taylor, Brian. <laughs> I appreciate y'all for tagging along. Um, hey, folks, you enjoy your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. 
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.